good evening and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. On the show tonight we've got Mr. Ricky Hyatt. Steve Rutter. Dave Hilder Pryor and me, A.D. Hoffman. back and enjoy a little bit of football banter. Well, good evening everybody and welcome to another edition of ADQ Football Bloody Hell. And my guest this evening, you've already heard him, AD, good evening to you sir. Evening Hilda. Ricky Hyatt's here, good evening. Evening Hilda, evening everyone. And Paul Thorpe is here, how are you doing Thorpe? Very well thank you, hope you're all well. And Steve Rutter again joins us, how are you doing Steve? Very good thank you, very good. Excellent, so we're all in good form. And um, I think we're going to have to be. We had a really good session last week. We did half the show on all things Yeovil Town. And, um, you know, any other time of the season, you look at it and a 2-2 draw up at Solihull Moors, I think would probably be quite a credible result. But I think I make that Yeovil's 19th draw of the season. Mm. And in terms of how that leaves them in the table, they're still just about in it if you're an optimist, but it does mean that they are going to need three wins from three at least. Well, I say at least, that's all you can get, but I mean, in terms of goal difference and everything else and results that always go against them, starting on Tuesday night when they go to Wrexham, of all places. Um, I don't know if any of you guys obviously listened to it this weekend. Thorpe, I'll start with you, like I touched on. 2-2 is, in isolation, a good result, but from... You know, where Yeovil find themselves at the moment, it's just about going through the motions until it's confirmed, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we have to be fair. It, 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 this isn't down to the last three games. It's down to a season of, uh, like I say, far too many draws. And, um, you know, uh, the, the lack of being able to score goals, I think. Is that, that's what I feel, feel has let them down. Not the defensive side of the game, um, although they've been put under a lot of pressure. But... Um, um, I think it's the lack of lack of goals. So, um, um, yeah. So that I, I think it's just disappointing that um, we find ourselves in this situation. To be honest with you, Rick, what did you make of it? Did you tune in on Saturday afternoon? I did. I wanted to know which celebrities I had been hobnobbing with. So it's always <laughs> vital. <laughs> uh, to, to tune in and find that out. Uh, shame about the. I went out and made a cup of tea, 
it was nil nil, and by the time I got back in, it was they were two nil down, which was obviously a bit of a, a bit of a downer, but a, a good rally you need a new in kettle. the second half. Well, I know it's a slow boiler. It's a slow <laughs> boiler, but um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a shame about that because the second half was a bit of a rally, battered them by all accounts, and could yeah. have got a result. But like Thorpey says, it's not all down to one performance or a, a few games at the end. It's all. As we've we've hammered on time and time again on the pod, it, it's the potential wins that were turned into draws earlier on in the season, and that's been a theme throughout the season. And uh, it, it's just scoring goals. Uh, although I uh, got a couple of good ones on on Saturday, <laughs> but could have done with some more scruffy ones throughout the season to turn one point into into three. And it's a good it's a good job Wrexham have got nothing to play for on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I don't, they they need six points, don't they? So they can't actually seal it against uh, Yeovil but it was set them up for the weekend should they get a result so uh, it's, it's just up to, to Josh to get another one of those Disney plus spoiler goals like he did last season mm. I think, be honest, when, when you see the likes of uh, Yeovil Town squad be, they've used 48 players I mean it's just it's <laughs> just it's madness you know you've got no continuity you know, um, two, two managers uh, and that's um, almost Chelsea numbers <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 then, and then you get obviously the the wranglings going on with the uh, you know with the ownership, which is still going on, which is absolutely crazy. Um, uh, the the club is just well. We'll touch on that. We'll touch on that um, mm. in a second, Torpy, because obviously there's yeah. there's more stuff that's gone on this week, and we will we will touch on that. Oh, you um, can enlighten you can enlighten me before um, before I do that, and I'll go to to Aidy on some of those questions that. Um, Steve, if you're Mark Cooper at the moment, are you holding on to the fact that it's not all over until it's over when you're sending your team out? Or behind the scenes, will it be very much a resigned fact of what's likely to happen? Yeah, I mean, it's you keep your fingers crossed, don't you? And strange things do happen. Um, I can remember under Clive Whitehead, we were bottom of the table. We went to Colchester United, who won the league, um, and we beat them 1-0 away. And everybody thought that I think that was it at Easter time. So it was a little bit, couple of games earlier in the season. Nobody gave us a hope, and we went there and won. So stranger things do happen, and he'll be saying to the players, "Look, all we can do is try and win three games. If they don't perform at Wrexham in front of a full house, I mean, it's going to be nine, ten thousand people there. It's going to be like a real festival. There can't be a better place to play um, at the moment in the conference, you know, in the national league. So he'll be saying, "Look, all we can do is get nine points." But even that might not be enough because you look at the other sides and, you know, older shot York, if they get a point each, then actually nine points isn't enough. Um, but that's all, you know, what else do you do as a manager? They're in the situation they are. All they can do is win three games. Um, and he will be trying to convince them that they're capable of doing that. And the, 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 I suppose the slight silver lining is there's probably as much pressure on Wrexham to get over the line as there is for mm. to try and win. Mm. Um, yeah. because they'll be under intense pressure. If it's nil-nil after 40, you know, half-time, then get into the second half and it will really start to get tetchy for them and, and that will put them under immense pressure. But hand on heart, you've got to assume that Yeovil are going down. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of... I think we thought that for a while, haven't we, really? Um, the the way that it's it, it's kind of turned out, unfortunately, for Yeovil. The, the dip in form, unfortunately, has come at the wrong time of the season. Um, AD, I'll come oh, to you next. Oh, just what we were t- oh, go on, Steve. 
Did you just say the dip in form has come at the wrong time of the season? What, you mean from the first game to the last? Well, yes, quite. I mean, is spot on. You know, they've scored 30, 35 goals all season. But the defensive record, like you said, it's not bad. I mean, Barnet are fifth and they've conceded 64 goals. You know, they've conceded nine goals more than the Well, well this is why I say about the, the dip in form, Steve, because when I think the ownership, well, I say ownership, ownership and inverted commas um, have come in, they were getting the deal done at a time when Yeovil had sort of picked up a little bit. And when Mark Cooper first came in, we were keeping those clean sheets and nicking an old 1-0 and getting some creditable draws in there. And you thought, OK, Yeovil might go towards um, the top half of the table. But then over the last month or so, it does seem to have completely sunk like a stone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've won seven games all season. And they, they've won three since the 1st of January. They won on New Year's Day and they've won two more since then. So they won four before Christmas and they've won three post-Christmas. So really, they're on a par. They win one more game. They've won four either side of the Christmas, you know, which is roughly halfway through the season. So it, it's just been a continuity from, from week one right the way through. And like we said, just far too many draws, not enough goals. Um, ultimately, yeah, they are where they deserve to be. So the ownership situation does rumble on um ad this week i don't know if you've seen there does seem to be quite a public spat now i don't think there's any problem with us saying it because it's all there to see between in particular ugler and mark cooper mark cooper will take a dig at ugler in his press conference ugler will take to twitter to sort of dig back um where where do you see all this? Because from the outside looking in, AD, no matter if even if both parties have got an axe to grind, it just doesn't look good. No, it doesn't look good at all. I think that's. Uh, uh, I was going to make one point though. You know, we're talking about this. Are we going down? Are we not? And and yeah, we must be surely going down. But would would staying up be a bad thing in the context that if the club did stay up? Um, you know, an awful lot of things are not going to get done that maybe will get done if we go down to, to the um, National League South. I don't know. I'm just chucking that into the thing. As to the spat between Mark Cooper and Mark uh, Matt Ugler, I, I don't know. What to, you know, I, I've run my own business for several years and I've never come across anything quite so bizarre as the way it is. I mean, you know, how can you have... You've got... You've got one so-called owner who never says a word now, just keeps right out of it, keeps a low profile. Um, although he is, I think without doubt, he is public enemy number one. But the way things are going, poor old uh, Mr. Ugler is getting getting slaughtered for doing what presumably he's been asked to do. Um, and yet nothing happens. And you sort of think, well... You know, what is going on? Have we ever come across such a bizarre situation where you've so-called got a, what do they call him, a steward who seems to mm. be in, in charge of the club, who seems to be financing the club, and yet he doesn't own the club. I mean, it's a bizarre situation. I, I've never come across anything like it. So, you know, what what's around the corner? God only knows. I mean, what is the, what's the latest on the actual... Um, I mean, it's supposed to be them Tuesday. Good question, Thorpey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Very like good question. Is, you know, there's, there's no transparency at all, um, you know, uh, from, from anyone. You know, so that actually the club, to me, is just going in a backward stance. And, um, you know, it, it needs some clarity, just for the fans as well, because the fans are going to... Otherwise, 
just put it back on the market and let somebody else uh, come in who, who, who you know who feels um, that they can Thought do a be. decent job. I just want yes. to touch on the word you've just used there, transparency, because mm. it's a, it's quite an interesting it's a huge word isn't because it? well, if you look at one of the many grumbles that Yeovil quite rightly Yeovil Town had with Scott Priestnell. It was mm. the fact that um, nothing was ever shared. All information was, was kept in-house and you didn't hear anything at all. Obviously, with Ugler, who's come in, who's a lot more social media savvy, etc. From his point of view, he's been more than transparent in terms of airing out exactly how he feels. But, Rick, is there being a little too transparent when it comes to this sort of thing? Uh, the word that springs to mind is naive. There are things that certainly until the actual deal's done, you'd uh, you'd want to keep keep quiet. And um, even then, I wouldn't go public with it. But I can understand where he's coming coming from in one in one sense because when the manager's continually sniping at you in uh, in his press conference conferences with little phrases and little bits and pieces, then you obviously, if you've got a platform to have a go back, you're going to want to put your side of things and, and have a bite back because nobody likes to be criticised. But um, I don't know, two wrongs make a make a right. I mean, whatever happens, I'd be amazed if uh, we've got the same manager next season and it doesn't look like we'll have the same. Hopefully, we won't have the same owner as we've got this season. It's just it's just one big. One big mess, which which is great because uh, the two teams I have an interest in seem to be having a competition to see who can have, be owned by the biggest pillar. Which mm. one's got the worst ownership model? They're both pretty shocking. Mm. But it does yeah, make I me mean... wonder what is going to happen next. I mean, what can happen next? Is Mr. Ugler going to sign on the dotted line? Well, even, you know, some people might say, no, we don't want him to. But But equally... If he does, at least at least there'll be some sort of closure on all the uncertainty, if nothing else. But if he doesn't, and we just drag on like this, I mean, it, it's just bizarre. I, I, you know, I just I can't do you think. think Adrian, of a... Adrian, just just touching on what you said there, do you think he's actually, if if the deal does go through, do you think he's made it harder for himself with what's been going on in on social media just recently? Well, I don't think he's because made it he's... any easier for himself. That's for certain. Yeah, that's why I, I sort of I sort of think he hasn't covered himself in in glory with his side of things. I mean, either. it's all very well coming out and, and doing all these um, social media tweets and what have you, provided you can you can get to the the finishing line. But you know, how long is he a uh, hundred yards away from the finishing line? Is he is he a twenty six mile away from the finishing line to, to to go all athletic? You know, how far has he got to go before he can cross the line and sign on the bloody dotted line? Well, yeah, that's the, that's, that's the main point, isn't it, Aid? I mean, like we've just sort of touched on there, I don't really personally have too much of an issue if someone, particularly in Ugly's instance, wants to use social media. Like we talked about before, it's a, a positive of social media is, is being able to engage with people directly, find out what's going on and stuff, and you can with a click of a button, just easily interact with people. But Steve, like we've just touched on, depending on what direction this goes in, if you're a player or a, you know, a prospective new manager that's looking at Yeovil Town as a potential opportunity, but you're seeing that if you go there, there's going to be 
a storm of social media because if I do this or say that, then it's all going to be, you know, to coin that expression, don't um, hey, a dirty laundry in public. Does that kind of, will that put off anyone who wants to come into Yeovil Town if they see all that? Depends how desperate they are to get themselves a job either as a manager or a player, to be perfectly honest. Um, people so you don't think that will damage things too much then if someone really wanted to come and join the club? No, if he if he gets a, you know, I agree with Rick. You know, he, he's got the power. Once he buys the club, he's, if he goes through and he completes, he's got the power. So he doesn't need to wear his grievances with Mark Cooper on Twitter or Snapchat or anything. He just sacks him at the end of the season. It's, it's easy, isn't it? Because he's got the power. Um, but if he does that and then he gets somebody in and he puts a squad together and they're competitive at the top end of the National League South. The fans will have forgotten all about this mess that's going on at the moment, yep. as long as there's some stability going forward. What they won't yep. forget if it starts like this and it just carries on into next season and the season after. Because it, it just, you know, they'll just say, well, we had this before with Priest, with Priest Nolan, we've had it before. And um, But it, yeah, listen, that's the world we live in, isn't it? Everybody just goes on social media. Rick said naive. It is because he wants to be professional. Talk about the, the takeover, keep the fans informed about how that's going, but don't get involved in a slanging match with your manager when you're trying to convince people that you've got the interest of the club at heart because it, it just doesn't come across well and, and he doesn't come across as particularly professional. Of course, the other thing that nobody's mentioned yet is we're talking about Priestnell, we're talking about Matt Ugler. What about South Somerset District Council? Where do they fit in? They, they saw, they're, they're the ones selling. They own it at the moment, but we don't hear a word from them. They they don't yeah you know, I suppose they have to they've sold it you know or bought it rather and they just sit there and and you know but no, they don't seem to get dragged into it which I find somewhat bizarre because I would have thought that they would have made some sort of a statement or some sort just to clarify the situation but they're not just an explanation of what of what their position is because like you say they're the they're the un, unseen ones the unspeaking ones if they yeah. just need to clarify their situation doesn't doesn't um... Matt Ugler need to buy the football club, not the building, but the football club, the business from Priestnell. And then having bought the business, he then has the option to buy back the ground on behalf of the football club. No, so I think he's got to he's got to buy the business, i.e. the football yeah. club, from South buy, Somerset District Council. Well, I'd imagine he's got to buy the, the intellectual business, i.e. the name Yeovil Football Club and their position in the National League yeah. from Scott Priestnell. Well, no, because the Scott Priestall sold it all to the council, hadn't he? I thought he sold. I thought he sold the physical attribute of the stadium and the land. Yeah. But the football club itself, as an entity, has its own identity. If they I moved think... around and played somewhere else, they'd still be Yeovil Town Football Club, and the sorry, stadium sorry, still exists. So sorry, I'm jumping imagine... in. Sorry, jumping yeah, in. But I actually, I actually think he's got first refusal on yeah. the sale of the uh, of buying the club back. That means the land. He's only interested in the land. Their own, uh, when I spoke to um, one of the owners, um, the one that's being quiet at the moment, he, you know, he he said they've only bought the football ground, nothing around it. Priestnell still owns all of that. Well, so, no, uh, what about uh, the two point eight million that, he, that, that that South Somerset District Council handed over? They couldn't have handed that over for the football club. That's for the land. It, that that's yeah for the but but Scott Priestnell has first refusal on the buyback of that land. Yeah, okay, first refusal. Guy, but at the moment, 
as we stand at the moment, he sold it. Yeah, but the, at the moment, the 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 two that are buying it, or Matt Uggler, has only bought the ground. No, they haven't. They haven't bought the ground. I can tell you that. Definitely no. not. They're renting it. From the council. <laughs> it, it, see, this is where the transfer... Nobody knows what happened. That's the first time I, I thought they were buying it, but at the moment mm. they're only renting it at the moment. Yeah, well, it's no, just crazy. They want, well, they they want to go, buy it, yeah, but they, they want to buy it. This is what he told me when I did my interview with him. They want to buy it, but, but he's not looking to necessarily buy it within a year, two years, even five years. He said, we want to see how things go. So at the moment, they're definitely renting it. Well, I think you should invite one of them onto Football Bloody Hell next week. Yeah, uh, yeah. They can articulate the exact position and everybody will know. I would do that, Steve, quite happily, if I could get him to answer his phone. <laughs> yeah, he's not very good with social media. Would it, would, it, would it be wise to invite him onto the podcast, which will probably be the first show that confirms relegation? <laughs> well, I don't know, but well, I mean... <laughs> that's, that, that would be neither here or there, because, like, you know, the fact the club's gone down... The, the fans really want to know about the ownership. So whether we yeah. go down, you know, listen, we, we, we pretty much know we're going to be going down anyway. And this is as an absolute miracle, you know, and these miracles do happen, but the, the, the reality is the old town are down. And, and they're so going to be final, in the final, final point on that then, Thorpe, before we move on, if the Oval Town survive from here, is it yeah. bigger than Leicester winning the Premier League? <laughs> oh, in terms me, of I'm... achievement from well, here? <laughs> Not really, because you don't want to be in that situation anyway. But I mean, it's going to be—we are it's going to be an absolute though, Houdini act to, to get out of this situation. You know, and the boys are looking forward to it. You know, I spoke to Josh today. It's like, you know, he's tired of the wranglings that are going on. But as a professional like football player, he's got to go out there and give his best. And it's what he's going to be doing and getting ready for the Wrexham game. You know, and I said everybody wants to play in a game like that. You know, why why would you not be excited about playing Wrexham? With the, with the situation there at the moment, pushing with the fans, everybody wants to play in front of 10, 15,000, and you don't get that much of, a, of an opportunity unless you get really high, you know, as a non, uh, as a non-league player to be able to, to to play in those type of games. So you're going to be buzzing for that game, but also, you know, it's going to be on, it's going to be filmed. You know, you never know who's going to be watching that game. If you have an absolute blinder, you know, you could be picked up, and these players now are looking. Looking at uh, relegation in the face, you know the ones who are going to be wanting to get away, they need to play well. They don't, it's not a time to have a bad game, you know. Um, just going back to, to sort of Matt Ugler saying he's supporting the manager, you know he's brought in three players that the manager doesn't even want. So where, where's the support support there? But it's ironic, you know, isn't I, it? I don't, those I don't three get players. That. I, just, I don't. I don't get that comment. Yeah, but the, the, there's no point in bringing players in. You know that that the that the manager doesn't want. No, fair enough. I take that. But what I've said is, is it seems ironic that they finally got to play together uh, as a pair in the second half. And as far mm. as the the uh, commentary was concerned, as far as I listened to what I did listen in between trying to lose a house on the horses, um, it, <laughs> it appeared that those two turned the game. One scored a goal and set up another goal. Um, I, I don't know. I mean. I'm just saying it's a bit ironic that the manager doesn't want to play them, but they come on and they do the job. That is that is also another point, Aid Thorpey. I don't know, I say obviously what you've been told, etc., and what we've all sort of um, been finding out bits and pieces over the last couple of weeks. That 
Saziba, or how we think that's how you pronounce it, who got the goal. Um, mm. I believe that's his second goal now, and he very nearly scored um, up at Gateshead. And since he started, Cooper's put him back in the team, he started playing really well. And then you start to wonder as a fan, does Cooper actually not like him, or is he just proving a point to the manager, regardless of whether he actually rates him or not? Well, it could, could be, be that. Of, it could be lots of factors. It could be the fact that he wasn't fit when he first came. You know, you know, there's lots of factors, isn't there? He need, needs to get match fitness, and uh, he needs to come into this level of football and find out where where he's at. And maybe he's just hitting that. Now he's all of a sudden going, "All oh, right, I'm, I'm getting used to it now," and he's just not got enough time to actually, you know, maybe maybe we'll see more from him next year. But um, you know, you, ultimately from the beginning of it, you know, it was very evident that that from comments from certain factors that that that. The manager did wasn't involved in bringing these players in, and ultimately at this level of football, you need, you know, Steve, you're at Panathinaikos. Oh, I'll give you three players. Fantastic. Who are they? Never heard of them. Never heard of them. What are you going to do? You know, it's up to the manager to to actually know what he wants, the reason he wants that player, you know, whether it be hold up play or you know that box to box as a midfield player or just an out-and-out defender, you know, uh, and, and does it enhance or, or does it make look as though it could make your side better? Because nobody knows. You can buy like the best player in the world and all of a sudden he just doesn't fit into your side. Yeah. But like you, you know, said, you want, you want a certain type. I mean, Alex Ferguson said, like, the players are there to paint my pictures. Well, Scott Ugler doesn't know what pictures Mark Cooper's got in his head. A, with the players he's already got and what he thinks he needs to get more out of those players yeah. and to improve the overall team performance. You can't just randomly throw players at a manager and say, oh, go and make them work. But that's what all the barn pot clubs do abroad, you know? Yeah. It's not it's not how you support the manager. But Rick used the word naive earlier and, and it seems like he's a kid in a sweet shop who wants to show everybody he's trying to do the right thing and he's just trying a bit too hard to please everybody. Shut up, take a back seat, let the professional people do their part of the job. Yeah, 100%. And if you're not happy with them after six months, eight months, do what businesses do, get rid of them and get somebody else in. Well, let's, yeah. let's, let's leave it there um, for Yeovil and we'll just wrap it up by saying that if Yeovil were to get something up at Wrexham, then there'll still be something to fight for on Saturday where our very own Steve Rutter will be joining me in the commentary box for the visit of Oldham. So looking forward to that one, Steve. And hopefully there'll be something riding on it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, well, they need to win, don't they, tomorrow? Simple as that. So if they win tomorrow, the Oldham game, everybody will be bouncing. Let's talk talk Premier League then. Um, I want to start uh, with Sunday... Um, particularly the West Ham game, uh, because we have another twist, a twist in the title race between uh. Arsenal and Manchester City. Um, Rick, I'll come to you first on this one. Um, Are you sure? Have Arsenal proved in the last two weeks that there is such thing as going 2-0 up too early in a game? Uh, yeah, I think I uh, found that out on Thursday as well. 2-0 was a very precarious lead. Uh, it's still in Arsenal's hands and I just hope that the football gods uh, are with them as much as uh, I can't believe I want Arsenal to win the Premier League but um, they're going to have to it seems at the moment they're doing their best to 
won't say throw it away. I don't think they're choking it, but they are finding they're not coping with the pressure of the situation very well at all. So they need a positive result sooner, sooner rather than later, just to get um, get the last two games out of, out of the system, really. And City just are just uh, doing Abu Dhabi things. AD, I'll come to you next. Um, we've spoken a lot on this show as well about the importance of penalties and the game turned on that missed one from Saka. Yeah, it certainly did. And of course, uh, I've got to feel sorry for the lad, really, because, you know, he obviously he suffered greatly along with uh, Sancho and Marcus Rashford when they missed in the European final. And, of course, now it's come back to haunt him again. And, you know, high profile, isn't it? And, you know, everybody's talking about it. Have they blown it? Have they not? And, you know, all down to that missed penalty, really. So, um, personally, I think the pressures are beginning to tell. They were talking about it on Talk Sport today, and I was listening. And, you know, they're, they're doing it. They're right. I mean, it's when you start getting these situations, that penalty, which under normal circumstances, I'm quite sure he would have slotted away quite easily, but the pressure gets to you, and to put it as wide as he did was, was well, bizarre for a, a professional football taking a, foot, a penalty and get it that far wide, really. And so, in, the, in the context of the game, that would have made it 3-1, wouldn't it? And you'd yeah. think that, that there's no return for... Um, well, it was Mo Salah-esque, that penalty, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he takes a good penalty, doesn't he? <laughs> well, so, so, you know, I, I, I think he's... I think they have blown it, and I think... I think Manchester City, uh, you know, um, and they've got ha this this Haaland. He, he is just something else, isn't he? I mean, I don't think we've ever ever seen anybody quite as as uh, prolific as he is, really. Well, um, let's touch on that then, Aid, because you have mentioned City there. Of course, the the challengers. Well, maybe they're not the challengers now. Maybe they are the ones to be, because, like you say, they have got that game in hand over Arsenal. I guess it's a bit of a strange one that it's kind of both of. It's in both of their hands, isn't it, really? Because they both play each other, which mm. is a bit of a strange one. Um, Thorpe, we've touched a lot on the fact that, um, well, I've sort of been banging, banging the Arsenal drum since about Christmas, saying, oh, I don't know, you know, stick with Arsenal. They might actually do it this time because City mm. have been dropping points. But City don't look like they're dropping points anymore, do they? No, they've um, they've got the momentum. and They've got it at the right time and... Uh... I think that the the size of their squad, the quality of their squad, is is really showing through now. I mean, uh, uh, Arsenal are probably a fraction early in in really pushing for the championship. We never thought it would happen, but they're in this situation, um, and this just means that the the the, um, the Arsenal uh, Man City game becomes an absolute cup final, doesn't it? But um, the Man City have got the momentum. They've got somebody, or no, they haven't just got one player on form either. You know, you've got Haaland, Grealish, you know, you can just go right through the whole side um, and they're all playing well. You know, John Stone's come out with an absolute perler and um, it's just, well, Mahrez is not even getting into the, to, to the you know, into the scoring realms, but he's, I mean, they're all really, really playing well and um, the midfield's strong, they're controlling games. Where like Arsenal are actually just trying to battle, um, battling games now, aren't they? So it's uh, you know for the points, and that's just not what you need at the moment. You need that fluency. And so when, what do, my, where do we all but, see this going now? As it stands, do we do we think City will take it from here, or again, like we've been touching on for the last 
two or three weeks, probably even longer than that, it's going to come down to that well, head to head that the A had. Yeah, it, it's it's down to that one really. I mean, I think that if they if, if Man City, one of them uh, still play might... Brighton as well. I think. Uh, yeah. yeah, they got Brighton. Brighton. Yeah, City it's have postponed. Still got to play Brighton, and they don't know yeah. when that is going to be arranged yeah. for. Yeah, it's, it's not. not it's been put... Yeah. But of course, Arsenal have got a, a reputation for winning the league uh, by going to difficult places. I mean, you, I'm sure you'll remember when they came up the your place and won 2 0, that Michael Thomas goal. Yeah. Um, Michael yeah. Thomas, what a goal. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I mean, who's to say that they can't go? I, I still think City will, but who's to say that Arsenal can't go to the Etihad and get a result? Yeah, very true. Very, very true. They still only need a draw in that game, don't they? Provided they uh, match yep. City and other fixtures, a dr- would a, would a draw be good enough? For, uh, Steve, you got the goal differences there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Arsenal got a goal difference of forty three. Man City got fifty. But yeah, I mean, if Man City win the game in hand, they're a point behind. So if Arsenal draw at the Etihad, they're still a point ahead. You know, so it's still down to them. Um, yeah, they'll be two games, games They'll be two games behind, won't they? Because the Arsenal play. Southampton on Friday, and then City are involved yeah, yeah. in the in the FA Cup at the weekend. Yeah, so there there'll be two games, two games. Two games to You'd expect them to beat Southampton at home, wouldn't you, Arsenal? <laughs> if but they don't do that, the, then they are out of it. <laughs> I was say, after the after the Man City game, they're home to Chelsea, away to Newcastle, home to Brighton, and then they finish off at, away at Forest and at home to Wolves. But that little run of games, Man City, Chelsea, Newcastle, Brighton. I mean that that is quite that's well, quite. Brighton are going to have quite a say in this. Then they play yeah. both the teams. Yeah, both teams involved. But, and they're a good side. When you when you go back into their uh, scoring realms as well, like you know, they, right back to to Man City Leipzig. You know, what I mean, seven nil. Man City Burnley six nil. You know, it it, it Liverpool four one. Southampton four one. I, I feel it. sorry for uh, Sheffield United this weekend, Thorpe, because, yeah. you know, a big semi-final for them. And the, the way that City just brushed these t- teams aside, regardless if they're having a good season or not, I do fear for them. Yeah. When you well, when you got people like Bayern turning up and they're getting thr- thrashed 3-0, you know, 3-1 three, three against Leicester, and then you've got the Bayern come back, then you've got, you know, they could probably put out their reserve side. So I, I should imagine that's exactly what they'll do, uh, but with a little bit of quality in there and still look to win that game. Um, let's quickly just touch on the two teams that they were playing against. We don't always get a chance to, to, to speak about them. So Man City beat Leicester 3-1. Just very quickly on, uh, Steve, I'll start with you on Dean Smith, um, one of a number of interim managers that are now... Um, seem to be in the in the Premier League because everyone's worried about obviously falling behind the dotted line. What do you make of it as an interim appointment? Um, he's he's a really good lad. Um, I don't see any point for interim appointments if I'm honest. I think it, people are just clutching at straws. Um, if he keeps them up, there. particularly Dean Smith, will probably get the job, won't he? Uh, yeah, probably. But the reality is, he's got as much or as little chance of keeping them up as if they'd kept Brendan Rodgers. And all the stats will tell you that this thing about a new manager bounce, there's a, what they call a regression to the mean very quickly. They just go back to their normal levels within weeks. Um, there's not a great increase in points gained or points lost. It, they follow along about the same track. So just people panicking. Dean's a great lad. He'll do a really honest job. Um, but, you know, Villa got rid of him. Norwich got rid of him. So um, he had a good time at Brentford. He had a good time at Walsall. 
he's a decent manager, um, but whether or not he can arrest the slide, because if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I said Bournemouth would go down. They've surprised me massively, I have to be honest. Um, and I thought Leicester had too much quality, but they just don't seem to have put performances together. Well, just on that, um, West Ham have decided not to throw the dice. Um, AD, are they going to now reap the rewards of of not doing that? Because they seem to have... We'll, we'll talk about the relegation zone as a whole in the, in the second part of the show, but it does seem as though that... Obviously, it wasn't that long ago that we were saying it was only a couple of points which separate the whole bottom nine or something, whereas it's just starting to break away a little bit and it might just be five teams that have been going to battle it out by the end and West Ham might be one of those teams that get out of this now. I think in, in the Premier League, uh, certain teams always are always difficult to beat to certain other teams. I know, for example, Man United always seem to struggle against Wolves. Don't know why, but they just do. And we're a far better side than Wolves. Um, so, and I, I think West Ham, another one of those teams, that they seem to have the ability to to really be difficult to beat sometimes. Now, all right, City, no, not City, Newcastle, wasn't it? Put five past them. So clearly they're not, not one of Newcastle's bogey sides, but, you know, they could prove to be one of Chelsea's or one of Arsenal's bogey sides, I suspect. So I think that probably they, they, they're going to just about hang in there, West Ham. Um, they've got a game in hand on Bournemouth, on Wolves, on Crystal Palace, um, on... Everton, on Forest, on Leicester and Southampton. So, I, I think you know, I think West Ham are going to hang in there personally, probably by the skin of their teeth. Um, but you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens tonight. Elsewhere, then uh, there was a big game down at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, where it finished Spurs two, Bournemouth three. Mm. Um, Steve, I'm going to come to you first because you have like you touched on just a moment ago, that you have fancied Bournemouth for the drop um, for the last couple of weeks now. But they have just started to turn a bit of a corner, although they'll probably still be in and amongst the thick of it come the end of the season, I'm sure. But just how big a win was that this weekend? Not just because of getting the three points, but the manner of it, of conceding a goal right at the end, very nearly should have lost it as well with the Richarlison header in stoppage time. And then to then go on again and get the winner and such composure with the finish as well brilliant three points uh, yeah I mean unbelievable and, and on the back of beating Liverpool as well not long ago um, that'll be that'll be just been a great place at the moment and it's just confidence Paul will tell you if, if you get into a little run of games you might have the best players but if, if you've got a good attitude amongst the players and they've got a bit of confidence then they can achieve really greater than the sum of the parts and that's and that's what they've done to be honest so I think there should be a lot of credit to, to Gary O'Neill um, and to Bournemouth because they've stuck with him as well, you know, and he's quite young and untried, but they've stuck with him and, he, and he's turned it around. Six points clear now of the drop zone and you'd have to think that that's probably going to be enough to see him through. What do you think of um, the job Gary O'Neill's done, Thorpe? Oh, phenomenal. I mean, I think I think one more win will we'll see it from. 36 points probably might just be might be enough. Well, they've got West Ham, haven't they, at the weekend? So whoever wins that one, you'd assume that they'll be safe. They'll be safe, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but um, maybe West Ham probably got a little bit more work to do. They're on thirty-one points, uh, but they got that game in hand. Much again, much rather have the points. But Bournemouth are right, right up there in fourteenth place, thirty-one games, thirty-three points. And you're thinking, well, you know, the way they're playing at the moment, 
you just might fancy them to stay up now. And uh, um, I just think he's just done an amazing job. And again, he, he unassumingly just got on with his job. And uh, you got to give him all the credit uh, that he deserves, really, that, that, that what he's done um, since he's been in that position. So from a Spurs point of view, then, um, Rick, mm. do you want to take this one? Because... And um, well, another one of your favourites, Jermaine Jesus. Oh, yes. He did make a um, a very good point. I thought. Uh, did, on you, did, you day. Like, did you clip this it out? Did you clip it out so I can hear it? <laughs> even a stock clock's worth right twice a day. <laughs> well, it is a bit strange what they're trying to do at Spurs because Stellini, isn't it? Who is um, the who was the assistant to Conte? It yeah. doesn't look like, well, certainly from the outside looking in, that he's changed anything at all so what, right. what is the brief there <laughs> or is it spurs it's being spurs rick it's spurs being spurs isn't it and how that heck they're still in the position to uh challenge for a champions league place which in all probability they won't be after the weekend because they've got they've got newcastle so um that'll probably uh finally put the end end to that but it's just spurs being spurs isn't it there's not an awful lot more you can say about it. They're, I was going to say to deceive. I mean, what what can you what can you say with the players that they've got there? You wouldn't play going to games, approaching games the way that they do. I wouldn't have thought that. It's, it's just I, uh, Daniel. It's Lee. just been it's just been their style of play. I mean, it, yeah. it really hasn't changed. I mean, I spoke to quite a few of um, uh, the uh, Tottenham fans whilst we were, were up there on the Saturday uh, against Brighton and. Um, you know, they, they just said, what what the hell are they thinking about? The reason he's getting so much stick at the moment, the owner, is the fact that what what's he doing? You know, they pay, yeah. they're paying Conte off. They're not saving money, maybe saving a little bit, but, you know, and they got exactly the same format out there as they would have had with Conte. So I, I just don't get it. By bringing somebody in fresh then... Um, would have at least, even if I know Steve doesn't like interim managers, but even if it would have been an interim manager, you know, well, he is, but do, do you know are we what surprised, I mean? Are we yeah, surprised it wasn't, Ryan, are we surprised it wasn't manager, Ryan Mason that went in there, Thorpe, well, rather than Stellini? Well, well, when I was when I was watching the game, uh, Stellini got sent off, and Ryan Mason made two really good decisions on the substitutions. And, and quite frankly, I think it won him the game. You know, so, you know, should they have gone with Ryan Mason? It's a really good question. And I would like to uh, thank see... Thank you very much. It. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no problems at all. I, I, well I, done, I don't know, it would be in, interesting. Steve would have more of that level of football, more of an understanding of where they might want to have gone. But actually getting Ryan Mason in would have, would have um, you know, he knows, the, he knows the reserve team. He knows how they play. Is there somebody who might be given a chance? He's you know, done it before. What, yeah, he's done it before, uh, exactly. You know, a little change of system, I think, would have helped. Um, I think, I, I, I don't see why the, the cane has dropped so so deep into there and become this a feeder instead of like being an out-and-out -out striker, which he should be um, with his finishing record. You know, and... Um, uh, and getting more out of, of Son as well, which which I think Ryan could have done, but all they'll see is oh same old same old shit, different different man at the top, and it's, it's no different. 
where at least by changing something, um, then a system change or whatever, then it would have given them maybe a little bit of fresh hope. Um, so let's go elsewhere then, because uh, AD, I'll come to you, because uh, your boys did get a nice win over Nottingham Forest. Um, Anthony and uh, a good goal as well, I thought, from Dallow from right back. Um, before we get into no. the result, I just want to touch on uh, the potential penalty that Steve Cooper was really aggrieved about. Bit well, of a strange one, in all honesty, wasn't it? Aidy, what did you think of it? Well, uh, first off, without wanting to sound biased, but uh, it was a penalty, I think. I, I, I don't know, what's the point of VAR? I mean, you know, VAR could see it. Why didn't they get it? To me, it was a clear penalty. It touched his arm. Um, but, you know, it did. The, Already they on a yellow as well, nil-nil. Well, he would have been off, wouldn't he? And, and I mean, mm. we all we all slag off poor old Harry Maguire and, and, and I'm just as guilty as most people because he's not been good lately. But having said that, he got a, a, a yellow card as early as I think, five minutes, wasn't it, Rick? Something like that. Um, yeah, and and then he had to make sure he didn't get another uh, yellow card, and you know that's difficult for for ninety minutes for eighty five minutes to play, and and you know make sure that every tackle is timed perfection, et cetera, et cetera. So I think I thought he did fair fair play to Harry. I thought he did all right on on uh, on Sunday. I thought that uh, you know it doesn't matter how much endeavour you've got, and Forest have got a quite a bit of endeavour. But class always tells in the end, and I thought that the way United ripped them apart on several occasions on a Sunday showed that, that Forest aren't that good, I'm afraid. Um, you know, they've, they've got a hell of a lot of players in that still don't really understand what the other one's doing. It gives, that's the impression I got. Yeah, um, it doesn't look very good for them. They're probably the team, other than Southampton, that are not in... Yeah. any great form at all, really. And all, um, also, they, they've got the hardest fixture list looking at the, the games to play. Yeah. I, I do hope they stick with him because it, they, I, I think it was a shock even to, to a lot of the, although they're a very enjoyable one, of actually Forrest going up. I mean, they said when they actually did it, they said, look, we're two seasons ahead of schedule already. So this is probably a free hit, really, this year. And I think that they really should try and stick with him because one is is I think he's a very good good um, um, coach, which he's proved in the past. Um, so I think that he's they're building something. But also the fact that when he actually got promotion, and then sat down and had a look at his squad, I think I'm right in saying that they only I remember reading something they only had six players on contract. Mm-hmm. And that's why they've started to buy all those players in. So that. You know, and and amongst all those re, re, good boys, there are going to be some bad ones, and he needs time to juggle the, you know, get rid of the rubbish and and or not rubbish, but the not so uh, uh, up to standard players and bring some more in. So, I actually think that that Forest have got the right man, and I think that they should stick with him. And uh, if they do go down, uh, maybe that, that's that learning curve. And uh, well, that's uh, the big thorpe, isn't it? That you've touched on there that. It is a bit of a free hit in terms of no one really expected him to get to the Premier League. He did brilliant last season. Oh, but on the flip side, position. because there's because there's so much money in the Premier League now, I think that's why it being seen as a free hit is probably not there anymore as it as it used to be. So like for instance, 
Steve, we wouldn't want to see it, but would you be surprised if you actually saw an announcement this week on Cooper because of where they are? Yeah, I think I would actually. Um, it, it depends on on the vision because obviously I know the owner from Greece because he owns Olympiakos and he's he's not renowned for his patience to be honest. So for him to give the vote of confidence he did and the extended contract when he when he did that earlier in the season, um, I think maybe he's looking at it and saying, look, if we do go down, we will be we'll get the parachute payment or we'll get the, the solidarity payments. We'll be in a far better financial position to have a real good stab at coming back up. And a lot of these lads will be better for the experience of having another season in the Premier League. Yeah. They did sign mm. an awful lot. I mean, was it 20? It's a world record. They're like 27 new players or something in the pre-season. Mm. It was ridiculous. Mm. Um, but just because they felt they were so underpowered to, to compete in the Premier League. And obviously the hardest thing, again, is, is to get, you know, is to get um, people who score your goals. They've, got, they've scored 24 goals. So they're the joint lowest scorers in the league. Um, and that's the hardest thing to pay for. You know, you pay millions for, for good strikers. So, I agree with Thorpey. I think Stevie Cooper's a really good coach. Um, he seems like a really level-headed lad. Um, so I hope they do stick with him. Um, and if they go down, I'm pretty sure he'll have them up or very close to coming up again next season. So last point on um, Manchester United. Rick, I'll, I'll come to you. With the defensive um, issues they've got at the back in terms of um, the injuries that are starting to mount up now, got big games coming up obviously the second leg of Sevilla and the semi-final against Brighton are you concerned at what bodies you've got available at the moment or have you got enough to achieve your targets this season it's a bit thin squeaky bum to coin uh Ferguson uh it's not like it's not like three valleys to Nick and Alex Ferguson phrase is it Um, it's when you look at the bench you look look at the bench on on Sunday, and there were three options to come on realistically. And one of them was Palistri, who's a young lad himself, who's really covering for Ganacho. So you've got to hope from a United point of view, Luke Shaw comes back sooner rather than, than later. And he'll probably, if he does come back, he'll fill in the left centre back uh, position like he did earlier in the season. And um, yeah, it's a rush, Rashford's got to come back. You get those two back and you've got the makings of something that's going to be uh, competitive. But it, it could, it's, it's not a great week for it to, uh, to happen and to be down to the bare bones, really, with the games coming up, the important cup games coming up that they've got. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. But, well, I'm, but I'm Hilda, just on. one point before you move on. Yeah. You, you talk about a free hit, but... You know, it's all very well, you know, if they go down, they'll get a free. It doesn't automatically mean they're going to come back up. The Championship is a, a very difficult league to win. Um, but they've got the right man in place to bring them back up, haven't they, if they do do it? Well, mm. one would think so. But all I'm saying is that, you know, it doesn't automatically follow that people are thinking, oh, they're going to go straight back up again. And it doesn't always work like that, does it? Well, no. Well, that's why everyone is sacking all their managers, because they're worried for that to happen, aren't they? This yeah. is why I'd be surprised... I think if Cooper did stay, because I do agree that he does deserve the time to see it through, but it wouldn't surprise me if the position they're in now, that this week the guy panics and then tries to bring in an advertise or something. I, I just, just wouldn't be surprised. But what, what, would they, what would they achieve by sacking the manager uh, you know, and bringing somebody in new? I, 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 they've, got, they've, got the, they've got a really, really good 
young coach there. You know, you've got to be bold and you have to be bold in building a football club. And too many, like, like you know, everybody's really said, people panic. Don't panic. You know, if you do go down, it's about building stability and a, and a, a foundation for a football club. You know, and as Yoba Town have found out, you know, that's not easy. So they need to really start right from the, 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 the roots down and uh, start rebuilding right from scratch. But um, these football clubs are t- too eager. You know, I've been quite surprised at how many, um, you know, we've got them, Fulham doing really, really well. Well, he was, he was like, you know, sacked a season ago, two seasons ago. And when he actually was, I didn't think he was doing quite a bad job. But it's... Um, they just panic, don't they? They just panic and they think, well, the first thing you do is change the manager, change the manager. Sometimes well, we'll it's not on, the manager's we'll come, fault. We'll, we'll come on to that, Salky, because um, we've got Fulham a little bit later in the, in the running order with a good win over Everton, of course. But I want to talk about Brighton next because they just are one of... They're just such a joy to watch, aren't they? And, you know, you look at the result on paper and it looks like a, a really decent win at Stamford Bridge but then Stamford Bridge is what it is now it's winning away a mid-table team Chelsea are on a horrendous run and Brighton fully deserved it and Steve I'll come to you first on this one have Brighton done it yet again with this Enciso have I said that right Enciso what a goal Uh, he scored the other week as well 19 years of age but they look like they've got yet another one well, I have to say I've got a lot of interest in Brighton because I'm, I'm actually putting together a study project around them to deliver on courses. And what what's happened since Tony Bloom took over as, as the owner of the club is exactly what we were talking about with Yeovil Town at the start of the show. Is a fellow who went in with a very clear vision about what he wanted, um, a strategy, a plan to move it forward. And you think when he took over, they were playing at like away from home at Gillingham and Goldstone ground at Brighton at the athletics track and all sorts training at the University of um, um, Sussex and now look at state-of-the-art training facility fabulous stadium on top of that Steve as well he's done it with his Belgian team because Saint-Gilois are in the quarterfinals of the Europa League which is incredible I know and and, you know but he's he's got a model and he funds the model and he backs the model and he trusts his managers. And if we just talked there about hiring and firing managers, Brighton have had like five managers in the same period that Chelsea have had something like 27 or something. I can't remember the exact stat, but the figures are unbelievable. And they've already planned for their next manager. So when a manager moves on, they don't get somebody come in and rip up everything. Somebody comes in and fits the blueprint and he just carries on. You know, and they've got players, Moises Caicedo, um, the Japanese boy, Matoma, They've got players there, and you think they've sold Kuchkarella, they sold Trossard, they sold Isabasuma, you know, the boy Ferguson, the Irish boy, he'll be worth millions as well, the young the young striker. They've just got a really good model at the moment. Do we know if the injury's bad, um, Steve, just on that? Because he got an ankle injury, didn't he, on Saturday? It yeah, would be a huge on. blow if he's out for the rest yeah. of the season. Yeah. But, but even things like the way they play, you know, you've got someone like Danny Welbeck who's coming in who... who you know, he's been around for a long time and just looks like a breath of fresh air. And they've got something right there, whether it's their recruitment. Well, certainly the recruitment's very, very good. But they've got a stability. They've got a model they follow. 
Um, you know, Alexis McAllister. We haven't even mentioned Alexis McAllister, for goodness sake, a World Cup winner. So they are a real role model for any of those middle-of-the-table clubs. Follow Brighton. Follow Brentford. Those sorts of models, that's how you stay competitive at the top level. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like you've touched, touched on, they're just absolutely flying, aren't they? But, AD, let's talk Chelsea, because they are absolutely terrible. <laughs> There's no other way of looking at it. I think Frank even made the point that, you know, he's starting to question whether these players even want to play for Chelsea. I mean, they are so far off it. How has it been let to get this far? Well, I suppose that the answer to that is if you put yourself in um, Frank Lampard's shoes, what does he do? He's He's got a, an owner now, uh, different from Abramovich, who's just flinging money at, at any player he fancies, bringing them all in, and Lampard's been brought in at the end of the, the, the spending spree, so he can't advise them and say, well, hang on a minute, we don't necessarily need him or we don't necessarily want him. He's there. It is. You're stuck with it now. You've got to go and make it work. And no doubt that uh, what's his name, Bowie or whatever. Uh, no doubt he's paying uh, Frank Lampard a tidy sum, and and possibly with a huge bonus if they suddenly get up into the uh, into the top four or something. So if you're Frank Lampard, you're going to say, yeah, okay, let's give it a go, because you're going to get a whole dose of money. I personally don't think Frank Lampard's a particularly good manager. I, d I don't know why. I just think his his record doesn't exactly uh, stand out as being fantastic. When you compare it with somebody like Unai Emery um, and what he's doing at Aston Villa, um, that to me is a good manager. But he's experienced. He's won the Europa League. God knows how many times. Well, what's Frank Lampard won? Not a lot. Well, really. you've 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 brought that up. So we will move on to to the next topic, which is. Um, Villa beating um, Newcastle 3 0, I'd say pretty handsomely. And the, the irony, I guess, is the fact that Emery, of course, turned Newcastle down about January last season. But, Rick, there's a huge chance for Villa to finish in Europe here. And it, it, it's just more and more teams that are likely to finish above Liverpool now. I know that the, uh, the Scousers' European Conference campaign seems to be getting looking a bit sticky at the moment. <laughs> yeah it does um, look, I've got all my stuff packed in these boxes as well ready to go across Europe and it's not going to happen is it no not unless you're getting the Eurovision Song Contest that's the only chance they got mm. unless of course at the time of recording they do get something in the Rick Hyatt derby this evening which oh, is Leeds United versus things. Liverpool yeah, what, what, what that, result um, do you want Rick tonight I want uh, Kevin Keegan and Billy Bremner to have a fight oh right okay like they did in the charity shield. That's all I want. Be a bit difficult. See, as Bremner's not around any longer, but still. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Some sort of uh, things they can't both lose. Some sort mm. of draw and lots of suspensions would be lovely. We've only got a couple minutes left, so we'll be one close to wrapping up the show. One minute left, so I don't even have time to talk about anything else. But I said that we would. So Fulham big win over Everton. Palace probably. Do we think that Southampton are gone now? Just. A yes from all of you, do we think? Yeah. 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 Poor Southampton. But a quick note, a nod to Burnley as well, because they'll be back uh, being discussed on the podcast next season because they are back in the Premier League. So well done to Vince Company and the boys. And thank you to my boys as well. Uh, Rick, thank you very much as always. 
Always a pleasure. So, Pete, thank you very much, mate. Absolute pleasure. Take care. Steve, thank you very much and look forward to your dulcet tones and company on Saturday. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, mate. Just make sure you've got the kettle on, some sandwiches. Uh, well, we'll see what we can do. And uh, good night for myself as well. And Eddie, sign us off. I will. Thank you all for listening, everybody. Don't forget to listen to the uh, full match commentary on Saturday, as we've just been mentioning. And, um, yeah, same time, same station next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>